Did ancient humans have helicopters made of stone? If I could use 100% of my brain power at once, could I microwave food using my mind? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This, this Paranormal Life. Life. Yo! Welcome back to This Paranormal Life, the comedy podcast where every week we get to the bottom of a uh, paranormal case and decide whether it is truly paranormal or not. Yeah. We're joined by myself, Mr. Kit Grimov, and this guy across from me, Mr. Roy Powers. How are you doing today, Roy? I'm doing great, and it is a comedy podcast, all right? Because sometimes when you're delivering a, uh, a very damaging piece of information that's going to destroy people's lives, you have to package it up in something that you know will soften the blow a little bit that's what they tell you in police academy when yeah. you've got to deliver awful news exactly you got to just throw in a little punchline at the end yeah just, you know uh you go to i don't know the the the, the mother of a family and be like hey yeah, I work with your husband here on the force and uh he's a pretty stand-up guy but not currently as he is six foot under oh my what yeah what what kind of joke is that did you not get it oh my he's not standing anymore (laughs) you gotta learn to take a joke ma'am that's right we are here to be a comedy podcast but we're also here to tell the truth about the paranormal and today is no different roy we got the listeners at home can't see but we we got okay i don't have any ice in my glass but you gotta take my word on it i can shake my little bit hold on there you go all right we're, we're drinking we're yeah. drinking on the cast because much like comedy, something else that ha- helps the truth go down is hard <laughs> liquor. And there's an abundance of truth today, Rory. The, the case that I've prepared, I'm just saying it up front. This is going to be huge. I think it's going to be a couple yeses. Oh my God. Okay. This week's episode comes courtesy of Barry Norton, who wrote into this paranormal life podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for writing in Barry. In his email, he said, I have an episode suggestion for you. I just watched this sort of online lecture on Amazon Prime. It was super low rent. Just a guy talking over a PowerPoint presentation with a visible mouse cursor. It was pretty funny. But hell, if I'm a believer now, it's a double yes for me, brother. I didn't know that the bar of entry to Amazon Prime was that low. I thought it was a pretty... A pretty exclusive club, you know? Be like, hey, I got a new show coming out. It's on Amazon Prime. I would I would think, if you said that to me, I would think you were a baller. Yeah, it, it makes me want to see what, what I could get on Amazon Prime. I'm starting Prime. to think we could get the show on there. Borderline, <laughs> get this hunk of junk on Amazon Prime. I can, I can turn this into a PowerPoint presentation. That's no problem. We could do it, yeah. So with a tee up like that, I had to check it out. And Rory, Barry was not wrong. This case could blow everything wide open. Sorry, my mom's calling me. That's embarrassing. That's kind of... No, it's fine. It's kind of a crazy world out there. I mean, it might be important. Do you want to take the call? It's not the right time, mother. She's trying to FaceTime. I think she wants to see, like, your face as well. Well, it doesn't matter because her baby boy is working, all right? Just as long as it doesn't distract you, that's fine. No, it won't distract me. It's fine. Okay. Because I know you're really close to your mom, so like you, you often do close. get worried. Not that close, because I'm not answering the phone, am I? Well, you're I feel look, like you're looking at it a lot. I feel like the fact that you can't move past this is that it's going to impact the podcast in a negative way. So. It's not impacting me, bro. You seemed pretty I, hype I up, hyped up on the idea before my mom called, and now it's all we're talking about. So, Well, it's a I little distracting, should. and to be honest... Listen, bro, I could do it. If you want to take the call, I could do a little filler. Is That's that fine short? by me. It's very, it's Is true, but it's short. Some truths are like short and to the point. You know what I mean? They're not They're not all funny. How short? It's not all entertaining. How short is this that you think I'm going to have Honestly, a long enough chat with my mom on the phone to fill an that entire would, that podcast would be like, worth? 
five times longer than the actual episode itself. How long? Have you? Did you watch the show? It's did you watch the documentary? Yeah, but well, the, the documentary can be condensed to like honestly a couple sentences. You can blast through that PowerPoint presentation. Turns out it moves as fast as you can hit enter. Our story begins back in the 1970s. Back then, as today, archaeologists all around the world were trying their best to uncover the secrets of the ancient past. You know, we've talked about ancient Egyptians on this show before, for example. But believe it or not, there is an ancient and mystical civilization that dates back even further than the most ancient of Egyptians. We're talking over 1,000 years older than the ancient Egyptian civilization. Rory, this is the ancient Sumerian people. Situated in Mesopotamia, what today we think of as the Middle East. And what makes the Sumerians so fascinating is that seemingly out of nowhere in the historical record, after tens of thousands of years of humans living the simple life, about 6,000 years ago, the Sumerians come along and develop the first written language ever. They basically invent architecture overnight. Right off the bat, these guys are on a winning streak. It's insane. If you develop the first written language in history, it's like, okay, beginner's luck. Sure, yeah. you came up with something cool. That's all these guys have got. They're a one-trick pony. But then they come along and create architecture. Not only that, they had... What does that mean? What, what were people doing before? Mud huts. Right. For, for a quarter million years, the mud hut was Reigned the, the fucking Eiffel Tower. The, the higher the hut, sure, you were a genius <laughs> architect. But the point is that there were no blueprints involved in the making of that mud hut. No building took longer than 35 minutes to make. Of course, yeah. So as soon as someone was like, hey, let's throw a couple sticks in there. Let's throw a couple rocks in there. <laughs> Boom, overnight you got your conservatories. You got your penthouse suites with the finest mud available. Of course, no regular river mud. This is mud that has been... It's Okay, it's poop. I'll, I'll admit it. It's, it's animal poop. It's a premium style of mud. Yeah. But that's how humans live for the longest time. And then these people came along and said, hey, we've got gods now. We got people to worship. We need a, we need a nice pad. They put it together, put, put together massive, colossal stone uh, buildings. Not only that, they had the first system of medicine, even forms of surgery with surgical tools. They were even engineers. They designed the first irrigation systems. How about this one? Ever heard of this? The f***ing wheel? Well, yeah, yeah. They, meant, they, they made the wheel? They invented the wheel. Oh my god. I actually didn't know who invented the wheel. Now you know. The Sumerians are behind it all. Not to mention time itself. <laughs> what? They invented... Get this. Time used to be f***ing mud. Alright? People <laughs> used to just sludge through the universe. It would be like, when you want to get breakfast together? I don't know, in five muds? <laughs> yeah. Five mud bricks? And then the one day... it takes to build five mud huts? And then one guy, one day, wants some dude called mud michael was just like hey what time do you guys want to go to lunch how about tuesday oh my god what's tuesday we've never heard of tuesday before he's like well that's that's what i'm gonna call six muds away from now all right and then Whoa. boom time that's it they invented the concept of breaking up time into 60 minute chunks and 60 second chunks like we still use that today that is a direct sumerian invention uh and lastly but not leastly I mean, they've, they've been in a lot, but one of the one of the goat moves was beer. They were huge beer guys. Wow. They, the wheel and beer, that's a dangerous combination. They had a whole, you know, they, they, it was like godly to them, uh, beer, you know? So clearly this ancient civilization knew something that others didn't. 
and clearly researchers needed to get to the bottom of this. Thankfully, the Sumerians wrote a lot of shit down, because pretty much no one before that wrote anything down, but they did. It's believed that around half a million Sumerian clay tablets have been discovered so far. The problem is that both now and in 1976, pretty much nobody can read cuneiform, which is what they wrote in. Ah, okay. Even today, with the instant and free access of information provided by the internet, probably only a few hundred people on planet Earth really understand this stuff. Which is why, to this day, out of that half million, only a few thousand have been translated. Wow. You think there'd be like a robot that could do it by now? Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, just, you like know. An automated process where they just scan it's like one of the. Six MUDs means Tuesday, five MUDs means Wednesday have at it yeah go and yeah. then the machine would just learn but it's probably also one of those things where it's like you could develop a machine that could could do this and you're like all right load up twenty thousand of the the clay plates into the machine and if we just push the button here and hit go they evaporated they're completely <laughs> gone they're destroyed forever all right <laughs> we're not getting those back let's let's tweak the bitch and start on the next twenty thousand. the machine thought it was a cement mixer for five minutes <laughs> and it, it destroyed everything you don't get you don't get two chances at reading these things guys no that's like what when they take mummies out of pyramids and tombs all right if someone so much as sneezes on the raw mummy it the thing blows into the wind you have to touch it with the the gentle finesse of a a, a freaking daddy long legs dick you have to be tender it's like having like a trillion dollar dandelion how are you look how are you caring for that thing so thankfully back in the 70s a man called zachariah sitchin was one of the few who could translate cuneiform i say thankfully because in his research sitchin saw things in the tablets that others were missing things that didn't make sense he even thought what if the bizarre stories contained in these ancient tablets were not myth like other researchers assumed, but history. And he would soon face a dilemma. If you are a researcher and it is your duty to report the truth, and that truth shits all over humanity's understanding of the world, rips the history books a new a-hole, what do you do? Do you preserve peace and ignorance? Or do you pull the pin on this paranormal grenade and let rip with the truth? That's a very, very difficult question. One that we face even as podcasters, you know, we come across uh, incriminating evidence every day. Do we just keep going on with the status quo, chasing the Yankee dollar and the iTunes downloads? Or do we, you know, yeah, pull the pin on this grenade and see what happens? I mean, a lot of that evidence is already on Reddit. It is arguably already in the public domain of course but yeah. no one's no one's drawn attention to it like we are exactly yeah we, as a as podcasters with an audience we have responsibility <laughs> to spread as much misinformation into the world as possible just to stir up some shit in these sumerian tablets they make repeated reference to the anunnaki these were the gods of sumerian civilization they were said to be beings that came from the heavens and took up dwellings among the Sumerian people. It was also said that they held immense powers and that they decreed the fates of mankind. It was believed that each Anunnaki represented different celestial bodies in the sky, such as a particular planet or star. 
Not only that, but each Anunnaki looked after a different city in Mesopotamia, and these tablets recorded that the Anunnaki actually lived inside the temple of each city. Wow, it just wasn't adding up, Rory. Sitchin quickly realized that he wasn't looking at religious art or a fun little myth that the Sumerians taught their kids about. No, he was looking at direct, literal, first-hand accounts of an alien civilization here on Earth. Do you think that's kind of why the technology and the advancements were made so fast? Because the Anunnaki came down and they're like, beam down in their spaceship and being like, I will be taking up residence in your town and delivering wisdoms in... What the... What the f*** is that? Mud hut? You guys live in... You live in that? You live in those? No, no, no. I don't live in that. That is a palace for our king. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. Okay, that's got to change. I live in a termite hole. Jesus Christ. All right, look. We're going to have to... Uh, I'm going to teach you guys about uh, blueprints. Uh, we need to um, get down to the quarry. We're going to do some rocks. Uh, can, can someone call us a car? Could you call us a car, please? Uh, a what now? A car. The two... An Uber. You guys have... What's it? Uba. Is that is that some kind of potato that grows in a is it is it in the termite hole? We were never here. <laughs> no, no. All of them beamed back up again. Don't go. <laughs> and Rory, I realize that extraordinary claims like this require extraordinary evidence. Well feast your eyes on this. Okay, so Kit has handed me an iPad with uh what I believe to be a series of pictures um of slabs. Okay, but let's just... For lack of a better word. They are slabs. I yeah. mean, I, I, know, I know we progressed from mud to slab, but slabs were the f***ing iPads of their day. Yeah, sorry, I didn't definitely didn't mean that in an insulting way. Uh, some of the best... I'll just watch your tongue all right. dissolve. <laughs> well, don't get too angry yet. Because I'm starting I haven't to think even... that the Sumerians are pretty up in some shit, and I kind of... I, I feel like I relate to them. On the first slab, we have a carving of... Looks like a guy sitting in a chair... No, uh... Not quite a chair, almost like a Santa's t sleigh uh, type mobile, while two other people uh, approach him holding... I can't really tell what they're holding. I don't know how this was created. It, it probably was created by rocks bashing into other softer rocks, but uh, the yeah. thing looks like shit. I mean, it's wow. really... It's not good. Unbelievably rude. So, Rory's reading of the tablet is... That's perfect, because that's typical of the dumbass Whoa, Sumerian right. researchers that were researching up to Zachariah Sitchin. No, you're quite right to get preoccupied with what's going on in the image. Okay. That's the obvious stuff, but let me draw your attention to a couple of things. Right off the bat, look at the respective heights of these three people. You'll notice that the person in the chair sitting down is the same height as all the others. That's true. Which leads us to believe that this is some kind... This is either a god or some kind of supreme being. Because he's taller? Yes. All because right. you see this all throughout these Sumerian tablets, that the ones in the position of power are physically different to the humans. Okay. Secondly, he's gifting... Now, this is a really weird shape, but it, have you ever seen what, like, a handheld old-fashioned-style plow looks like? Uh, no, I don't believe so. That is what the giant in this image is holding, and he's giving, gifting it to the humans. Right off the bat, we've got one of these supreme beings gifting the plow. This is like gifting farming, gifting technology, gifting agriculture to the humans. Pretty cool stuff, but nothing paranormal yet. Until 
direct your attention, Roy, to the the sun in between the two guys. Yeah, that thing is weird. But the crucial thing here, the mind-blowing thing here, there are 11 orbiting objects around that sun. This thing is 6,000 years old. How the f*** do they have a two-scale diagram of the solar system on a stone tablet? Roy, we didn't know about Pluto. We didn't know about Neptune until like 100 years ago. Right. So how 6,000 years ago have they itemized all the items in the solar system? But there's one extra object. What the f*** is it? Where, where is that? Because they counted the items in the solar system as the sun, all the planets that we know of, plus the moon. But even that only adds up to 11 objects in the solar system. But here they have 12. You think it's a coincidence, Roy, that there are 12 planets? That there's also 12 disciples of Jesus? The 12 tribes of Israel? That there's 12 gods of Olympus? That there's 12 hours in a day? That there are 12 inches in a foot? 12 months in a year? Did you say 12 hours in a day? The 12 signs of the zodiac? 12 hours in a day? Did I say that last? I I think I said that last one already. For those of you listening at home, Kit's pupils have rolled back into his head and his eyes are pure white. Also, we think of Earth as the third rock from the sun. But if you count the solar system backwards the way the Sumerians did from this 12th object, Earth is actually the seventh planet, aka seven days in the week, aka seven days of creation. Okay, I get it. Numbers are paranormal. The secret sauce here, Rory, is that that 12th object, when you add up all the planets in the solar system, the sun and the moon, that 12th object is where the Anunnaki come from. Oh, it's their home planet. That is Nibiru. Okay. This is what they referred to as where the Anunnaki came from. I mean, we're really honing in on one part of this enormous slab. There's other bits we're not talking about. There's a number of uh, Tetris blocks in the far right corner, right above what looks like a little goat with his dick out. Yeah, but I mean, we've all seen goats with their dicks out and we've all seen Tetris. So that shit is, I mean, sure. I mean, that's another future technology. Maybe the Anunnaki gave them that too. Tetris, a couple thousand years early. It was a hit game, so I could see why they'd want to show us that. Do I have to say, spell it out loud, folks? There are seven Tetris blocks. So, Rory, feel free to check out the next couple of images. Let's just go down, if you scroll down to the next one. So I'm showing Rory yet another tablet in which you can see the sheer size of this Anunnaki. Oh, yeah, this son of a bitch is enormous. Yeah, huge. We've gone from him being possibly a foot taller uh, in the previous slab to him being a borderline giant. A giant. That's a good word to use. Then if you check out the next one. So, so this one's a lot more incriminating. <laughs> what What am I looking at? <laughs> so we seem to have a guy on the right-hand side, maybe an Anunnaki, maybe a human. Yeah. Looks like some animals on the left-hand side. We've got what looks to be maybe a sun or some sort of interstellar object. But crucially, in the middle of this tablet, we have a flying craft with three beings inside it. Is that what that is? Listen, you know, I'll give it to you, Roy. These things are open for debate, but this is widely perceived as some kind of UFO object. Okay, because it looks like a shelf with some pots on it. Right, right above an alligator standing up on its hind legs. But it's flying, isn't it? Because uh, look at the crescent moon underneath it. Well, it's none supposed of it's to be fl- in the sky. None of it's flying because it's carved on a slab. So right, okay. But there's a crescent moon underneath the <laughs> shelves, aka the UFO. I'm getting scared to say no, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep agreeing. <laughs> you don't, you don't like that one? 
Flick to the next image, Rory. Flick to the next image. Hurry up. All right, we're looking at... All right, okay. <laughs> this is a little uh, easier to interpret. I've gone from bad to best. Uh, I mean, there's nothing to tell you about here, folks. These are just carvings of helicopters and spaceships on a rock. But even the style... These look like they were done by a machine... These don't even look like they were done by hand. But Rory, the Sumerian experts will tell you, oh, that's that's just like a that's a, a river reed. Oh, yeah, that's just like that's a, a that's an ear of grain. That's just stuff that they had back then. What when what we're seeing is an Apache attack helicopter, <laughs> a speedboat, a rocket ship, and I don't know what the f is in the bottom. These are so far past the wheel. We're not even at some of these things yet. So I don't want to get too bogged on in that one, but I mean, it definitely looks suspiciously. Why did they advanced. bring them the wheel? Why did they bring them the wheel if they were going to go straight to this? They were like, "All right, here you go, guys. This is the wheel. It goes round and round. You know what? F the wheel. You guys are ready for planes. We just found out that things are better than mud. F it. F that. F everything. Let's go to space." <laughs> This is like getting the kids from Willy Wonka into the factory, but before you even let them eat any of the f***ing chocolate, you're on his weird speedboat that goes through an LSD river. They can't even enjoy the technological advancements that you're giving them because you're hitting them with so much future. Like, imagine Willy Wonka bringing you onto the factory floor and you're like, oh my god, is that bamboo tree made out of chocolate? And Willy Wonka's like, never mind that. You guys want to see an Oompa Loompa? Those things are weird you're like no i just want to eat chocolate i came here to eat candy sir not <laughs> like see weird shit <laughs> is it what is this freak show here drink some of this soda it'll make you fly into the fans it's like oh my god why would you do that to feel alive sugar doesn't do it for me anymore <laughs> i'm numb to it <laughs> it's like here have a piece of this oh what, what kind of candy is that that's meth you're gonna need it where you're going can I uh, direct your attention to the second last exhibit, Rory? This uh, very intricate tablet. They're getting better. All right, now this looks less like carvings on a slab and more of a Jumanji board that you would discover washed up on a beach. I mean, it is a slab, but I agree. It does look a little like a Jumanji board. This is very intricate. It's kind of hard to decipher what's going on. In the middle of this incredibly intricate image is a guy, and he's sitting. But if you look at this a certain way rory this is a vehicle this is this guy's sitting in it's almost like a pod racer style gizmo he's sitting in and all the intricate kind of aspects of this image they look like kind of technical or mechanical pieces it's like a machine he's sitting in yeah which already is far beyond the tech any kind of machine of any kind is far beyond stone age tools that ancient peoples had access to and yet this machine style thing this uh, human is sitting on has all kinds of tiny little pieces of operation. Yeah. Tiny little mechanical gizmos. Or if you want to scroll down to the next image. This, now, this is a modern image of... Okay, this isn't a slab. A yeah. No, it's a modern diagram of a Mercury spacecraft. But this is what people have likened to the object that the previous tablet was showing off. What we're looking at in that tablet, Rory, is a personal tiny spacecraft okay does this exist what a mercury spacecraft yeah that's like a that's like the kind of thing you would uh, burn up on re-entry uh 
after launching out of a rocket ship in space kind of thing if you want to like crash land on earth you would come down in one of these bad boys but being honest can you see any resemblance there between the two i can see a slight resemblance uh especially you know going back to the slab if you look at the kind of architecture and uh, design and patterns that are being used you know it's very intricate a lot of holes a lot of dots and lines which hey might just look like it's the style at the time or is it an ancient civilization trying to display what it is like looking at an alien's control board? Think if you if you told a caveman to draw the command center of a Boeing 737. They, they don't know what buttons are or exactly. valves or handles. They're just going to draw crazy designs, lines, circles, cubes. And you're going to come out with something that looks a lot like this. I mean, and sure, a couple bags of peanuts in there as well. <laughs> I was honestly pretty blown away when I saw that one. I mean, even when you look at it from a vertical point of view, it looks like there's f-ing, like flames and clouds coming out the bottom. It does. It's very, for a 6,000 year old image, that's extremely uncanny. You know what? I flipped. You flipped me. I'm, I'm in. I'm in now. What else you got? Give yes, me more of these brother. slabs. For right now, I'm out of slabs. So I, this is such a... I apologize to the listeners at home. This is such a visual medium right now. Um, I'm going to have to throw these images up on Patreon so that people can can jump on and see that. Um, I can even make that one public. You know, this is a little more difficult than my podcast last week where I was able to physically hand kit a dollar. You it know, is. We don't have these slabs. We don't. Uh, all we have is the information, the pixels. To be fair, if it weren't for this... COVID-19 situation, we could go to the British Museum and see some of these in the flesh. Are some of these in the British Museum? They've got a bunch of Sumerian tablets, yeah. That is crazy. I don't know about these ones exactly. I need to pinpoint these bad boys. I think the last time you and I went to the British Museum, uh, we got sidetracked because we started laughing at all the uh, early carvings of humans. Yeah, we Um, started ragging on that early human art. I mean, some of them are... you got to see them, guys. It's embarrassing. They're terrible. The eyes are massive. It's made out of, like, twigs. It's so embarrassing. So, Rory, having seen a number of these tablets, what are your immediate thoughts? I'm in, brother. That's my immediate thought. You had me skeptical. You started me with the shit slabs at the start to, you know, kind of get me get me in the front door. But now you're throwing ones at me that are basically just carvings of rocket ships. And <laughs> and I'm in. By studying and translating these Sumerian tablets, Sitchin put together his complete theory of who the Anunnaki were, how they changed the course of history here on Earth. The first huge question in all of this is where did they come from? Sitchin believed that the Anunnaki came from the planet Nibiru, an as yet undiscovered planet in our solar system somewhere beyond Neptune that has a huge elliptical orbit of our sun, meaning it only orbits once every 3,600 years or so, which is why we haven't seen it yet. He put forth that the Anunnaki came to Earth a few hundred thousand years ago, initially looking for gold. You see, on Nibiru, thanks to thousands of years of environmental problems and nuclear warfare, the atmosphere was degrading and they drastically needed help to fix it. So by suspending gold particles in their upper atmosphere, they could stop global warming in its tracks and reflect radiation from space. Is there there science uh, to kind of back up any of those? points about gold or i mean gold that that would i mean weirdly humans have floated (laughs) a lot of these ideas i mean for a while there 
Elon Musk wanted to nuke Mars uh, to start a chemical chain, like chain reaction that would make Mars habitable for humans. Right. There are, it's called terraforming. You can adjust a planet's atmosphere on such a scale that it changes the planet's weather systems forever. I do love that uh, some of the smartest scientists in the world uh, still resort to nuking as our only option. Absolutely. Because traditionally, you know, it's the kind of like ignorant military officer in the apocalypse movies that goes straight to nuking them. Nuke the aliens, that'll sort it out. It's like, all right, no, we can't. We're obviously not going to do that. We've got to get a scientist in here, get involved. Nuke Mars. All right. What? Jesus, that can't be the only option is nuking things. <laughs> what if we nuked a nuke? All right. No, somebody. Oh, my God. Get it. Get it out. I read an interesting article. It must have been a couple months ago now, basically stating that <laughs> there is nothing that we could do to planet Earth to make it more inhospitable than <laughs> Mars is. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's like when people consider that like one day humans might have to leave Earth and go live on Mars, they were like, we could do an infinite nuclear winter here on Earth and it would still be more hospitable than Mars right now. At least it's got like, <laughs> at least we've got water and oxygen. Like, yeah, the basic building blocks of life don't necessarily exist anywhere else. Like before we give up here, we should try and keep it going, keep the party going a little longer before we just start nuking the universe, desperately trying to find a new home. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a life licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. And here's where Earth comes into the picture. They identify Earth as a quiet, peaceful planet with just a few animals running around, yet with a ton of gold just waiting to be extracted. And these gold-mining aliens were the very same gods of Sumerian mythology, the Anunnaki. The problem was, the Anunnaki workers got sick and tired of doing all this gold mining and started creating problems. Then one Anunnaki had a bright idea. What if we don't have to do this shit anymore and we get someone else to do it? So through genetic engineering, which may just be code for banging our human ancestors, <laughs> they mutated Homo erectus into Homo sapiens. 
an earth animal crossed with godly Anunnaki DNA, wow. creating an intelligent yet primitive animal that could mine gold for the Anunnaki. So you're saying that the Anunnaki did not just come here and meet humans. They made humans. They f***ed a bunch of monkeys. That is what Sitchin is saying. How are they smart enough to get here, but not smart enough to just enhance the monkeys with science and gold? Well, they had to bang the monkeys? Well, that was the answer? I'm just saying they might have banged them. Uh, the official line is they didn't bang the monkeys. But I'm just saying, between you and me, they probably banged the monkeys. Do you think at the meeting they were like, all right, so um, we've actually developed technology that uh, using the nuclei of a dying star, we can beam directly into the ape's brain and reprogram them to discover gold. And then Gary, the Anunnaki's like, uh, I've already f***. Like six monkeys, and they're out there hunting for they're, gold. They're right pretty now. good at getting finding gold. They're really, they're really. They good. like gold. Uh, all right, sure, fine. We'll just go with Plan B then. Everyone, go get a monkey. Seems like Gary's already jumped the gun. So, because I'm pretty sure humans didn't go straight from monkey to gold digger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was a big gap in between that. Well, whenever like I, I get that gold and bananas are both yellow, but that there, there's <laughs> it's beyond so that, there's enough. zero link. Well, when I say monkeys, I mean Homo erectus All right. or similar human ancestors. So, you know, they're they're 99% human. They're just not Homo sapiens, what we are. Of course, this becomes the start of the human story. The Anunnaki gift everything to us. They create the system of kingship. They select one guy to be the intermediary between the Anunnaki and humans to rule over everyone else. And that becomes kings the system of kingship across all countries the gift the technology of agriculture just about everything we mentioned earlier in the show they're just emptying out their pockets and giving humanity the lint and loose change except their lint is the concept of time the wheel and beer the only problem was as intelligent as the anunnaki were they weren't actually gods so they couldn't control the weather The story goes that a series of natural disasters started to rock the ancient cities of the Anunnaki here on Earth. And when they found out that a great flood was on its way, the alien overlord said, F*** it, we had a good run, but we gotta go back to Nibiru. Earth is f***ed. And so they did. All the Anunnaki left Earth overnight. (laughs) It's a pretty sad day. You know, you go to visit the uh, Anunnaki gods and like, The temples are empty of gold. (laughs) All their shit's gone. And you're like, you go meet them out in the courtyard and they're like throwing bags of gold onto a rocket ship. And you're like, my lord, what are your teachings for today? Oh, f***. You guys just keep doing what you're doing. I gotta get out of here. Checks his space clock. Oh, shit. 17 ships. Things are looking really good. (laughs) Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Here's some more beer. Drink, Drink this. It's gonna make everything easier. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like a whole colony of aliens just recede back into the clouds. There's like a 20-foot wave on the horizon. A new gift from our lords! <laughs> yeah, the Anunnaki are like, you know what? They're emptying their pockets. They're like, hey, take all this earth cash. And they're like, won't you be needing it? <laughs> nah, not where we're going, kid. You're gonna need these. It's called a f***ing snorkel. We're getting out of here. <laughs> I told you guys to swim, right? <laughs> what? All right, bye. They bypassed boats and went straight to the wheel and the (laughs) Apache helicopter. They all left Earth, except for one. One Anunnaki couldn't leave humanity behind to become extinct. 
After all, Homo sapiens were like their bastard children. They felt bad. So this Anunnaki chose to warn them by telling just one person before they left. And that person's name, Rory? Noah? I knew it. That's right. The Great Flood that features in just about every single religion's mythology around the planet wiped almost everything. All history of the Anunnaki and their involvement with humans. But the few who knew that it was coming, like Noah, managed to save mankind. The story goes that this Anunnaki said that they would return when the time was right, and humanity has been waiting ever since. Wow. Now I know the listeners at home, their minds are going buck wild. They're just connecting the dots here. This It's like, you know, the second coming in Christianity. This is when the judgment of heaven and earth happens in an indeterminate time in the future. That's when the Anunnaki come back to earth. Yeah. Now, you might be getting the picture here, and you would be right, that the Anunnaki are not only the gods of the Sumerians and the Babylonians, but that humanity's memory of the Anunnaki is the foundation of every world religion. This may sound extremely far-fetched, but we only have to look at religious books from around the world to see clues. For example, littered throughout the Bible, there are mentions of the Nephilim, the children of the sons of God and human women. In the book of Enoch, they mentioned that there were 200 sons of God who came to earth to have children. And the Nephilim have always been loosely translated as giants or fallen angels that walked the earth. Ah. Is it possible that these sons of God, these giants that came to earth and had kids were the Anunnaki? Right. For example, in Numbers chapter 13 verse 33 when talking about the land of Canaan they say all the people that we saw in it are of great size there we saw the Nephilim and to ourselves we seemed like grasshoppers and so we seemed to them so the people literally write in the goddamn bible they're saying yeah in this land of the Nephilim everyone we're grasshoppers compared to these bastards they're enormous yeah and whether it's Norse mythology, Hindu scripture, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs, or ancient Greek myths, they all feature giants. And it could be these were all just Anunnaki mining company employees. <laughs> Listen, all I'm going to say is one of my personal favorite cases regarding the ancient aliens inside of Agartha in the Hollow Earth. Yep. They're noted for being very large. Do you think that's just coincidence, guys? Do you not think that maybe some of the Anunnaki went inside the Earth to an ancient civilization? They went everywhere. They went up, they went down, they went in, they went out. Of course, anywhere to get away from the water. <laughs> there's a lot of overlap here. You know, there's there's no... None of these aliens are like hobbit size. Yeah. They're going to be giants. They're going to okay? be enormous. Not only this, but in chapter 1 of the Old Testament's book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel sees, quote, an immense cloud of fire, and at the center of the fire was glowing metal, and inside that there were four living creatures. They sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. The passage goes on to describe four shiny objects, each appearing like a wheel intersecting a wheel, these objects could fly and they moved with the creatures. It said, when the living creatures moved, the wheels beside them moved. And when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Could this be evidence in the Bible describing UFO technology? I mean, I don't know what else it could be, possibly. <laughs> I don't know why angels would need wheels. <laughs>
and glowing metal. It sounds like this dude really shoehorned in his story into the Bible. <laughs> like when they were putting it together, it was like, all right, I think we should uh, use this passage to definitely hone in on God's grace. Yeah, and, and l- just a lot of how, forgiveness. Yeah, just to, to reiterate that, you know, he is powerful and all-knowing, but that he is forgiving and he is just. Yeah, and then I'll uh, I'll throw in a couple paragraphs here about that, that weird thing I saw on Tuesday. It's like, well... Okay, sure. Maybe keep that brief though, and maybe if we could work that into a if parable, we could loop it in somehow. Yeah, yeah. if we could say if, link it back to his love somehow. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like the, the 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 thing was weird and mighty, like God's fist of justice. Well, we we've we've already had a lot of chapters on the fist and justice and the holy retribution. So if we could just get a little bit more love and grace in there, of course. Yeah, the creatures were gray, like the beard of the Lord. No, that might be a little distracting because we've said they're white and shining uh, right. up to now. So. That, uh, I'll just mention briefly that the um, the pearly gates uh, shine like rust in comparison to the the, <laughs> the futuristic glow of our metal lords. Why don't you get a coffee break? How about that? How about you go get a coffee and come back and we'll finish this chapter? Okay, okay, sure. The door locks behind him. <laughs> hey, hey, let me in there. Right, right, write it all now. <laughs> write it and preach it. Write it and preach it. But I hear you, Rory. I hear you, listeners. We're getting way bogged down on the evidence for aliens here on Earth. When in theory, if all this is true, all the evidence we need is on Nibiru right now. Supposedly a giant planet just floating around in our solar system. I mean, that's arguably harder to get a hold of, though. (laughs) (laughs) We've already got the tablet. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, let's not diss evidence here on Earth a little too hard, because I feel like that's going to be easier to come by. If Nibiru does exist, if so, why haven't we seen it already? Well, for one, Nibiru supposedly has an orbit of 3,600 years at least. But surely modern astronomers should still know about it somehow. I mean, you said they filled the atmosphere with gold dust, so you'd like to hope that it's pretty viewable. It's like a disco ball up there. In the words of Gucci Mane, Nibiru <laughs> sunk the Titanic. This is some premium ice. It's like you hear in the news, uh, whether it be like an asteroid is going to pass by Earth that has like 25 quadrillion dollars worth of crystals embedded in it and it's it's like an incomprehensible amount of money but nibiru is basically 95 percent solid gold and the size of 40 million suns (laughs) all right that's where the money is that's why they can afford to just throw spaceships down at peasants they're like we're made of gold our atmosphere is gold (laughs) this is what i'm saying the anunnaki that came to earth we thought they were gods to the anunnaki they were the cex employees (laughs) they were like the freelance contracted workers we're drinking their piss which is cristal by the way it's champagne to us well as it happens scientists have been looking for something similar to nibiru for a long time Planet X. Called Planet X because if real, it would be the 10th discovered planet in our solar system. In fact, Planet X and Nibiru are so similar on paper that for fans of this paranormal theory, they are basically the same thing. And the clues have been there for a long time. For example, in 1846, scientists knew that by looking at Uranus's orbit, something wasn't right. The numbers didn't add up. Something was throwing the orbit off a little. At first, they thought the problem was solved later that year when Neptune was discovered. And it was, mostly, but there were still orbital discrepancies to be accounted for. Again, in 1930, they discover Pluto, but once more, it's too small, and the picture is still incomplete. 
At this point, the hunt for Planet X is in full swing. But as recently as 2014, after a huge and comprehensive sky survey by the Infrared Survey Explorer satellite, things were not looking good. They couldn't find any evidence of any undiscovered large planets out there. That is, until 2016. Caltech professors Michael E. Brown and Konstantin Batygin published a paper with evidence for something very big and very far away. We are pretty sure there is one out there, Brown said in the New York Times in January 2016. They found six small objects orbiting the sun in very long, weirdly shaped orbits. Yet, all six orbits were tilted by the exact same angle. Space is crazy. There is only one explanation for this. A large object nearby that is weighing down all of their orbits. They calculate that this thing would have to be 10 to 15 times the size of Earth and on an orbit of our sun that takes around 10,000 years to complete. Wow. And crucially, there is only a 1 in 15,000 chance that they're wrong. This is particularly believable too because Dr. Braun is actually the guy who in 2005 discovered Eris, a Pluto-sized object in the Kuiper Belt that got Pluto demoted from planet to dwarf planet. So ironically, the man that killed Planet 9 might be the same man who discovers Planet 10. It's even thought that the great flood that caused the Anunnaki to leave Earth all those years ago may have been caused by Nibiru entering the solar system and causing chaos. Which makes sense if shit was kicking off on Earth and Nibiru happened to be passing the sun at that moment, it was at its closest point in thousands of years, so they were like, it's time to jump ship, let's get out of here. Right, right. And today, aside from this whole story, there is evidence to suggest that cataclysmic flooding happened around 13,000 years ago. Is it possible Nibiru is on the way back today? How do they not know if there's a planet there? Like, I get that the, the universe is pretty big and our galaxy is pretty big, but I'm pretty sure we've, we've got a decent map of it so far, right? Am I wrong in assuming that? Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean... Like they say, in 2014, they get this sky survey satellite that has a huge field of view yeah. to do a massive survey of the sky, and they don't come back with anything. But I seem to remember reading about that story. One of the scientists said the caveat was that they could only see, once you get to a certain distance, you can only see objects of a certain size. That's just science. That's certain. That's just, that's just yeah, that's life. If, if something's really far away, it's got to be pretty big for yeah. you to see it you ever watch a bumblebee fly away it's not long before that thing is gone all right but when it's up in your face it's like a bird it's a problem it's it's enormous all right but even a planet once that thing gets far away from you it's like a bee everything's relative it is so at a certain astronomical distance they can only see objects 15 times the size of earth which is not very big still it's still like nowhere near the size of jupiter and saturn they would not see nibiru which is apparently around 10 times the size of earth okay so things slip through the radar for sure it's like if people at home have ever seen um that super famous deep field telescope image of space taken by the hubble telescope that's a beautiful picture it's an amazing picture and you see countless galaxies going on to infinity apparently that size of image is the equivalent of holding up like a 5p piece at arm's length into the sky. 
that's like what's in that section of sky. There is just trillions of galaxies more than that out there. Yeah, to, to throw another analogy out there, it is like holding a bee in your hands right. and looking up at the night sky. I think our followers, our listeners really understand bees a lot better than even money. They're easy to understand. Bees, flowers, honey, hives. It's just simple. It's easy to, to grasp. So the universe is a hive filled with bees, galaxy bees, all right? And I'm the queen, <laughs> which means I'm fat as hell and I can't fly. I need y'all little bastards to do the work for me while I drink honey. I don't know how bees work. People are like, you know, you should have a basic understanding of bees if you're going to use them in every analogy in an episode. Can't wait for our first angry beekeeper email. <laughs> it's coming. And you know... Some even think that the powers that B already know about Nibiru or Planet X or are somehow covering it up. I personally don't know if I believe that, but it is definitely good to know some out there do believe. And this last piece of evidence, Rory, is the moment the mask slipped. The moment a public official had the balls to come clean about Nibiru live on air. This is the Iraqi transport minister on the news talking about a new airport when he goes on a mad tangent on Planet X. Perhaps many of the people of the Dikar government do not know that the first airport to be built on planet Earth 5,000 years ago, before the Christian era, was built here in Dikar. If you do not believe me, read the book of the great historian Zachariah Sitchin, who was an expert on Sumerian studies. Read the books of Samuel Kramer or the book written by H.G. Wells about this. He talked about the first airport built on the planet, which was in this place. This is the safest place for airplanes to land and take off. Because some meteorological factors that limit an airplane's maneuvering ability do not exist in the Dikar airport. Not only above the airport, the skies all over Dikar are safe for planes because there are no negative meteorological influences here. The atmosphere throughout Dikar is positive. When the Sumerians settled here, oh boy. they knew full well that the atmosphere here was suitable for flying to outer space. That's not even what this airport's for. It was from here that the Sumerian spaceships took off towards the other planets. <laughs> the Sumerians were the first to discover the 12th planet, which was acknowledged a few days ago by NASA and named Nibiru. A lot of awkward people in the background. <laughs> which completes its orbit around the sun every 3,600 years. A lot of, lot of scary glances here. Oh my God. What even is that? That's a great video, actually, if you haven't seen I it. I gotta clap that one out. I gotta clap out the Iraqi government for wow. saying the shit that the British government is too afraid to say. Yeah. You know, because they have a rich hit. Like, this is the, that's the part of the world where the Sumerians came from. You just know that that guy who was given the speech has already been removed from several positions for leaking government information. Unbelievable. And they were like, all right, this guy literally cannot shut up. Let's just set him out into the middle of bum nowhere and get him to just announce an airport opening. And he's like, okay, fine. And he's like, all right, so it's a pretty good place to open an airport, you know, seeing as that's where all the and spaceships land. Oh, like, God, oh, no. He's doing it again. 
they're like ripping out all the wires in the back trying to get his mic cut off. He's going live on Periscope. I like that he's like, this is the perfect place for an airport because um, spaceships can launch to other planets. Does he know what an airport is used for? That's no airport is used to visit other planets. It's unbelievably <laughs> irrelevant. It's so bizarre. It's like, you, he wanted to give a press conference about the Anunnaki. He shoehorned in the airport stuff. It was mostly about ancient aliens. I mean, <clears throat> big respect to his co-workers because they gave some sideways glances, but they mostly kept it cool all, way, all the way throughout. They were on his side for sure. So Rory, I've presented you with a truckload of information, truckload of evidence today. Where? What are you thinking? Where are we coming down today on whether ancient aliens visited earth 6,000 years ago and gifted technology i am overwhelmed this is a huge case this is like me coming over to your place for dinner <laughs> you serving up 30 meals in front of me we say grace for an hour and a half and now it's time to eat and i don't know where to start uh <laughs> all right let's start with the slabs Okay. Okay. There that's are, fair. There are only piece of physical evidence. They are the primary evidence that someone could go see in a in a museum today. Exactly. You know, they're pretty promising. They they do vary in detail, but some of the later slabs specifically are um, you know, pretty encouraging when we see carvings of vehicles that obviously look like they are not from the time where these slabs were from. I mean, we're looking at helicopters, we're looking at spaceships, we see uh, consistencies in the stories regarding giants here on Earth. Giants with magical powers and strange technology. Um, unfortunately, that is really the only physical evidence we have. Which is frustrating because a lot of the gifts that were allegedly given to the Sumerians are physical. Granted, they did gift them the wheel, architecture, time, some things that are uh, a little easier to get a hold on. But, um, you know, if, if they did get given these spaceships as gifts, I mean, where are the remnants of this? Why was this not more prominent in history? Why did they stop using spaceships the second that the aliens left? I think the idea is that the spaceships in there, in those tablets, that's just how the Anunnaki got around. That okay. was things that the humans witnessed and even they thought was remarkable but it wasn't the day-to-day -day. you know they didn't gift a fleet of starcrafts to the human peasants yeah and say just like hey go for a joyride it was more a case of they came to earth they lived on earth they gifted the technology just that the humans needed to survive and create wealth for the anunnaki and then they left one day. I don't know how much the starships and laser blasters were actually a part of Sumerian life. See, this is the problem with the Sumerians. They didn't have a Galactic 12. No. All right. And the Galactic 12, when they're at home, they kind of work along the same lines of uh, when like a, a big company has a client coming to town. You know, when the aliens come to visit Earth, the Galactic 12 will be like, let, it, let us take you out. We'll go see a Broadway show. We'll go to a club. You know, we'll get bottle service. We're the Galactic 12, for Christ's sake. We'll show you a yeah, good time. Of course. You give us some technology in return, and then you guys go on your way with some gold. They didn't have that. So they came down, and the, the aliens are giving them just alien dust. And people are like, thank you, my lord. Thank you. We will give you all of our gold for it. Because there's no bartering. 
You know? There isn't. Um, which is difficult, obviously. The next big bits of evidence that we have is obviously that Nibiru exists as a planet. Um, we shouldn't underestimate this piece of evidence because what we have is some amount of evidence to suggest that the Sumerians knew about more planets than anyone else on Earth did for the next 6,000 years. Okay. And not only that, they seem to have some knowledge of an extra planet, which we don't even know about. Yeah. But there is circumstantial evidence for in the year of Luigi 2020. And I'm not going to lie. I think that is the real piece of evidence that i that i'm looking for here is you know even a even a black and white scratchy photocopy of a space map where i can see the faintest speck of a planet hiding by the sun that's i think the evidence that would really kind of like pull me in a little bit further i showed you the star map it had the sun surrounded by the the 11 objects i think star map is a pretty big leap from what that thing was which is a couple dots carved in a slab um i will concede that all of the quote-unquote star maps that the sumerians had they were all like systems of dots yeah like there are other slabs i didn't show you which show you know what looks a little bit like a sun and then a series of dots. If you were lost in space and the only thing you have to help you navigate is a Sumerian star map, you're f***ed. It, yeah, there's you're not, not it's not anywhere. to scale. It's not even, there's no north or south, no. which I guess is irrelevant in space. <laughs> um, but you're not, you're not going to find your way home. No. There's no way. It wasn't that advanced. No. I don't know, Kit. You were the one that watched the Amazon Prime <laughs> show. Where, where are your thoughts on this? This one is difficult because... I can't pretend that all Sumerian researchers, or even a majority of Sumerian researchers, believe in this theory that the UFOs and aliens of the ancient past had anything to do with the Sumerians. Sitchin is considered a very controversial historian and, and researcher, uh, so there's an inherent danger in basing all of our research on his works, right? Uh, despite how influential he's been. However, I do think it is uncanny that people like Sitchin and some of his uh, contemporaries have seemingly been more and more uh, vindicated over time. And Nibiru is the ultimate example of that. The fact that someone back in the 70s and 80s was writing several books about this 10th planet, this planet X, this Nibiru that's just outside of the solar system, that occasionally every few thousand years comes close to our planet and let's face it has probably some effect on earth the fact that all these years later decades after he originally wrote the books has been vindicated in nasa and the scientists the scientists that killed pluto for christ's sake are saying there's a 1 in 15,000 chance this planet doesn't exist this thing's pretty goddamn certain yeah the math is there for sure they're saying that there is a planet. We have a good idea of what it would look like. It's a lot bigger than Earth, just as described, and it comes through this solar system once every 10,000 years. Right. Which means that it's come through our solar system at least 20 times through the course of human history. But we, what, haven't had the technology to view it? Yeah, we've only had the technology to view it for like 100 years, not 200,000 years that humans have been here. That's a good point. So at the risk of putting my ass on the line, if the question today is less so did ancient aliens specifically gift the f 
wheel. I don't know. But if the question is, did aliens come into contact with Earth in recent human history, it's going to be a yes for me today. Wow. Wow. Bold claims. Well, you know, if that is the question that we're asking today, did aliens come in contact with humans in recent years, then I guess it's a double yes this week, boys. Now, while I am not sure if the evidence presented today was a product of that communication with humans, I think we can all agree that history is weird and space is even weirder. All right. That's a double yes for sure. It's a double yes, folks. Listen, we we don't know how much of the story of Nibiru is true. Yeah. But we pretty much know Nibiru is real. We know aliens have been to Earth. So what more do you want? Of course. And I know this is confusing for a lot of you. So let me simplify it. All right. The Earth is a beehive. Right. We can't stress all this right? enough. And we're the bees. And one day a wasp comes down and says, give me all your honey. All right. Are you getting it now? Of course you are, because we're explaining it in the bee metaphors. Guys, you must have your own thoughts on this case. It's just too goddamn big. Uh, send them on in to this paranormal life podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much to Barry Norton for sending that one in to us. Um, I hope that we are helping to keep you guys entertained through quarantine life. Yes. Uh, this quarantine life. If you cannot get enough of this Paranormal Life podcast, remember that there is a treasure trove of bonus episodes over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. If you need more entertainment, that's the place to find it. It is. Yeah. I want to elaborate as well on last week's comments about starting our own secret society. Yeah. I've decided our secret society is going to be called the Galactic 12. Wow. All right. I think we should do a tier on Patreon that only allows 10 members to join and then you and I making up 12 and then they will be the elitist of the elite to join us in our uh, London penthouse suite slash apocalypse bunker. I got to say, I completely agree. Yeah. You give us a thousand pounds a month. We'll swing you a, a cool letterman jacket face value of about 80 pounds. And then um, you get free entry as well. You shouldn't the have said the 80 Of course, thing. I shouldn't have mentioned no, the quality of the jacket. All. And we've been recording for an age here. So we're just going to go straight into shouting out some of the people who've supported us on Patreon. Thank you so much to Laura Cole. When you're on Santa's naughty list, instead of presents, you get a big bag of Laura Cole. What? It's just, he just dumps her in your living room and she's there all of Christmas Day, kind of nagging you, annoying you. It really ruins the mood of Christmas and then she's gone. So, so be nice kids or Laura's coming. Thank you also to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones has no bones. Uh-oh. She's a jelly. You're gonna need bones. Yeah. Us- well, usually. I don't know. She seems to be doing pretty all right with herself. Slight- so. Pretty good at limbo competitions. I'll give her that much. Yeah. Yeah. I will give her that. Not great at high jump. <laughs> no, but you know. You need bones for that. <laughs> you need bones for the high jump. You know. You gotta know what you can do in this life. Exactly. You can't go try it all. Thank you to Jamie Wilson. Jamie Wilson is an ill son. Uh, He's not well. He's not well. Oh, no. But he's also ill in the kind of Lil Wayne kind of, I'm not sick, I'm ill kind of way. But he's also very sick. Right. He's a hip hop (laughs) fanatic who's uh, very, very Under the weather. (laughs) Jamie, loved your last mixtape. You have impeccable taste in... um, rap music but uh i'm also sorry to hear about you being under the weather so get well soon 
Thank you also to Wilho. Wilho sleeps with a zippo under their pillow. <laughs> that sounds really dangerous. Extremely. Why? I mean, put it on your bedside table. They also soak the pillow in kerosene. No! Why? Why? They like fire. <laughs> Not while they're sleeping, surely. No, That's super dangerous. No, no, no. Exactly. And it would it would terribly injure them. So I don't know why they do. But, they, you know, if you're a fire starter like that, you're going to like the smell of kerosene a little. It's going to help true. you get to sleep, maybe. I mean, I sleep with that petrol bomb, but that's for different reasons. All possible reasons. I get lonely. I got to move on here. Willow, <laughs> d- don't listen to Rory. Do something a little safer with your life. Thank you also to Daniel Allen Lang. Daniel the Spaniel is a borderline collie. (laughs) Daniel couldn't be any more of a dog if he tried. Oh, okay. And that's not just because he's a booze hound. (laughs) So, wait, is he a dog or is he just a booze hound? He's 50% dog and 50% pooch. So 100% dog. An all boy. All right, okay. It sounds like this dog has a drinking problem. Definitely shouldn't be listening to a podcast. Um, Definitely shouldn't be giving us their money, but we'll take it anyway. Thank you to Alana Darcio Looney. That's right, Alana Darcio Clooney. This is the suavest mother effer to ever walk the fit after Clooney, of course. Right. You know, but but a lot of that panache. Are they related in any way? Absolutely not. No, they just modeled their entire life on the Kloonmeister. That's uh, pretty cool. You know, just in the fabulously tailored suits. They're sipping the espresso. They're they're carrying out heists. Uh, I, I mean, that bit's actually illegal because Clooney did that. That that wasn't real. That was for camera. Yeah, that's true. That's like when I try to change my name to Rory Pooney. Uh, it doesn't quite have the same style no. or flash to it. Yeah, and they didn't actually let you because it was so obscene. It was really, really horrible. Yeah. Thank you to Melanie Roberts. Felony Melanie, you need to understand that robbing hurts people, all right? Oh, but it turns out you're actually, you're giving us that money, which is pretty... Oh, that changes things. That That does does. change things. It does, it does. In the court of the paranormal, uh, that means you're free to go, you're free to gank. Uh, So maybe up those numbers, actually, now that I see. That would would really help us out. Thank you to Hugh Ivers. That's right, come on down to Hugh Ivers Huge Drivers. If you need a giant driver for any special occasion, come on down, talk to Hugh. He can cut you a deal with the tallest bastard you've ever seen. Oh, okay, so I thought it was more of like a... uh... That was more of like a golf club sort of thing, where it's really large clubs. No, no, no. This is a giant. This is ex NBA players driving monster trucks to black tie events. Wow! Oh my god! Imagine rocking up with the NBA's top players in an Uber pool. I love it. That's that's high class. Thank you to David Ryan. David Ryan. This son of a bitch has two first names as his full name. Very suspicious. It's a little suspicious very, to me. Very, You know, I w- David or Ryan, whoever I'm talking to, I would suggest getting yourself an ender, an endo in there, all right? Because you're right. raising a lot of flags. You're getting people a little suspicious. People are going to look into you a little bit. You know, maybe just throw in a last name like, like, like Dave. Yeah. Or like Dave or like Rich or yeah. something like that, you know? There's Mike. No one's going to confuse Call yourself Dave name. Mike Rich, all right? Wait, what, what, what was his name to begin with? <laughs> Bigfoot? Thank you to Victoria. 
Well, if it isn't Victoria the Victorious, this lady just wins at borderline everything. All she does is win. But do you know what the secret sauce is to winning? Someone else has to always lose. That's right, that's her husband. <laughs> Losoria. <laughs> this son of a bitch couldn't win a game of tic-tac-toe if he was playing against a bee. I had to throw the bee in there so that people would understand, understand the analogy, of course. of course. It can be confusing. Thank you to Fraser Tory. Fraser Tory actually has a pretty good laser story. If you ever get him in a bar, ask him about his laser story. Wow. It's it, pretty good. Is it like, is it short enough that we can tell it here in the podcast? Uh, let me think. He told it to me. He told it to me the last time we were in Vietnam. In Vietnam? Uh, yeah. Not not serving. We were on holiday. Jesus. Sure. Yeah, there's probably enough time to to tell the whole story. So he was um he was at the science class. He studied uh, biology, I think it was, uh, microbiology. Oh, out of time. Oh. Thank you so much, Fraser. Oh, sorry. Okay. It was it builds to a really good point, but I have to obviously hone in a lot of the more specific details. Okay. Well, if you okay. if you're gonna give us a spark note, so I guess we can. Do okay. That. So it was like it was a leap year at the time, um, which is really gonna uh, be an important factor because obviously you said you're gonna do the spark notes. This sounds. Like Again, I just well. I have to get into the specifics of the story. Otherwise, you're All not right. going to get the punchline. Right. You got like end. 10 seconds. 10. Okay. okay. I'm going to count down with your fingers. <clears throat> All right. What are you counting down now? Yeah. You're not All even right. counting. You're not even going to tell me when you're going to start the I'll countdown? I'll start now. All right. All right. Okay. Ready? 10. Now? Okay. So uh, in microbiology, obviously, <sighs> it's a study of the physics and how it makes up the world. So one day they got in a whole box of experimental frogs. They were going to cut with the scalpels, but they thought, hey, that's going to break down the biological laws and we shouldn't do that because it's pretty inhumane because the frogs are still alive, of course, so they can examine the organs of the frogs. So they brought a laser in for the science first. Oh, you got to chill out, man. You got to slow down. I'm getting really... You're really doing pretty well. Up. I'll Thank give you three more seconds <sighs> on the clock. All right, I'm, just give me a second to catch my breath here because... All right. I'll, you're going to want to hear the late... <laughs> All right, well, don't, don't bust the wanna, gut. You're going to want to hear it. the laser story. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Three seconds on the clock. Okay. All right. Okay. Ready? Yeah. And go. So obviously they didn't want to use the scalpels because the frogs were still alive so we could summon the organs. So we ordered a bunch of lasers on like time. Oh, right, we're on, almost man. there though. We're almost we're right there. right at the lasers. All right. Okay. All right. Two seconds on the clock. Two seconds on the clock. Right. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Ready? Okay. And go. Because so the back of the lasers, they only had the flathead screwdriver, so it wouldn't get the back open. Of course, these were lasers imported from Vietnam. So because, are you kidding me? We're doing two seconds. Of course, we're Vietnam. Are you kidding me? You spent two seconds talking about getting the back of the laser off of the screwdriver. That's an important part of the story. Fuck also, me. the lasers are from Vietnam, but we were in Utah when this happened. You he said, told me. Uh, no, I well, said. He told true. me the story. That's true. You in got Vietnam. me that. You got All me right? that. Jesus Christ! You're gonna want to hear the. Just fine. It's really I think next episode, to be honest, hear the rest of the story. It sounds great, though. All right. Can I just say story. say the punchline at least? He's we, we're really pushed, but like he at the end he turned to me and said, "Laser, I barely know her." I got to clap that one out. It, it was, was worth the wait. It was good. It was, it was worth good. the wait. And no, obviously, no one's was... listening anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone tuned out. Oh God, Fraser's got to be happy with that. Come on, it was a good story, Fraser. Got to be happy with that. It really was. Thank you, lastly but not leastly, today to Tressa. Tressa, I barely know her. <laughs> That's not really a story Tressa told us, but uh, it's just something she's. It's like a catchphrase. It's like a catchphrase. It's equally good. She actually does have a really good story about a dresser, like a dresser full of clothes. If we have time, oh, I mean, we're really I pushed. Keep it. She told me it in Vietnam. 
Also I know a lot Vietnam, of the, I know a lot of these people from Vietnam. You've never talked about Vietnam once up to today. I never talked about lasers either, but here we are. Well, you have with Fraser. All right, if you give me thirty seconds tops. I'm thirty. Gonna, I'm gonna get through this, man. Tops. Jeez, you're <sighs> killing me here, bud. Listen, but I'd love to, but I think we really got to wrap up. So anyway, right, thank can, you no, so much, Teresa. Thank you so much. No, we don't have time. So thank right, you so to so everyone for listening today. We were today. just at a fashion shop a, one time. and I just got to talk over me? That's I know, unbelievable. It's fine. We were just at a fashion shop one time fine. and I was talking about her. How thank you for everyone to tune in, in today. So you said, well, let's go to Such this cool exciting episode. Let us know what you think of this one. Send it on into this Paranormal Life podcast houses where people were murdered. And I was like, that's pretty weird. I don't Let us know what you think over on Twitter. Twitter.com forward slash this Paranormal Life. But they said they never found the killer. So obviously this thing's on a Thank you so much to Barry Norman for sending it once again. Let's get a it was worth it, actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks so, for that. Yeah. I didn't realize I was going to get I didn't. I didn't mean, I, if I'd known, I, whenever you said 30 seconds, I didn't really believe you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, for that wasn't the whole story. Jesus if you want the whole Christ. thing. I don't. That takes me back to 1989, all right? Thank you, everyone. When we'll hip-hop next was week kicking off. For a brand new paranormal tale. Protect the bee. Protect the bee. Flying for hours, looking for flowers, serving the queen. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs>